Welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking. I'm your host, Jim Maroos. Today, we're honored to host Rebecca Romero Rainey, President and CEO of the Independent Community Bankers of America, the ICBA. ICBA serves as the leading voice promoting the interests of over 5,000 community banks, which constitute the vast majority of all banks in our country. In this episode, we'll uncover the current dynamics of the community banking system, confront the challenges that these institutions face, and explore the opportunities that lie ahead for this very important segment. We'll also discuss the key regulatory issues of 2024 and celebrate the milestones under Rebecca's leadership at ICBA. Her perspectives on the future community banking, digital transformation, and the role of local banks in fostering economic growth provides valuable insights for financial institutions and financial executives of all asset categories. As of 2024, the state of community banking reflects a dynamic and resilient sector adapting to the challenges and opportunities of a rapidly evolving financial landscape. The success of community banks lies in the ability to maintain the trust and loyalty of loyal communities and customers while innovatively adapting to the broader changes in the industry itself. So Rebecca, you've headed up ICBA for over six years and obviously have seen many changes over your tenure. Can you share a little bit about the focus of ICBA today compared to when you started? Absolutely. And, and, and Jim, it is, you know, what's one of the things I love most about the community banking industry is that it's ever growing and, and um, changing as it reflects the needs of the customers and communities that it's serving. And as a third generation community banker who literally grew up in a community bank, I've seen a lot um, over time. And I think as I reflect on my six years here and how we've continued to adjust to meet the needs of community banks, it all goes back to our mission which is to create and promote an environment where community banks flourish. And I really key in on that word environment because in the environment that we're looking at today, um, there's so much, both opportunities as well as challenges facing us. And so it's about how we, how we advocate and do everything to ensure a level playing field, but it's also um, an environment in terms of how we innovate and how we provide our members and community banks and their communities the tools to continue to innovate and provide that relationship-based banking while also finding the efficiencies and the conveniences for their customers. And then education is the third pillar for us, that focused education and support to our members. So as this environment continues to evolve, they're staying ahead of those changes and ahead of the game to be able to continue to serve their communities. You know, it's interesting. I I started a podcast um, called Visionaries uh, last year, sponsored by Alchemy. And it's one of the most exciting podcasts that I get involved in because I, on an ongoing basis, am talking to small banks doing great things, small community associations and credit unions, all doing amazing things. And it's interesting because in every segment of the marketplace, there are really amazing success stories and ones that are, are more laggards. And, and you provide the platform for organizations to flourish, as you mentioned. So can you share some of the accomplishments under your leadership at ICBA that you're most proud of? You know, the one that comes to mind for me immediately was, was something that um, uh, 
we accomplished this year. You know, if, if we rewind to um, the fallout and the failure of, of SVB Bank, and um, when that was all announced, uh, Treasury came out with a statement and said, you know, don't worry, taxpayers, the cost of this failure is going to be borne by all banks. And I and we immediately said no. This failure was not a, a failure of community banks in terms of what they're doing, and they should not pay the price of what this institution was doing. And we had a lot of folks say, oh, Rebecca, you know, I, I don't know that you're going to be able to, to exempt community banks. But we, we stood our ground. We told the real unique story of the community bank business model. And fast forward to where we are today, every community bank under $5 billion is not paying a penny towards that special assessment. And I think it's just, it's such a testament to both the strength and resiliency of the industry as a whole, and the fact that it really is different from all the other financial services provider. And it's a reflection of our ability to stand up and do what's right to protect the industry. You know, it's interesting. I look back and we thought COVID was really the gut punch. But the reality is, you know, as we look back now, COVID was more of a work environment situation, while the economy and the failure of a few financial institutions last year really is a much bigger challenge because it, it the underlying trust that that all deals with and how important that is when you're looking at any sector of the financial services marketplace really puts things under pressure and it puts you under pressure to say how fast can you respond to the things that happen in a nanosecond i mean we look at just silicon valley bank by itself and realize you had a run in the bank that took a number of hours instead of days or weeks it was it was a completely different environment that we never anticipated but the response had to be just as quick because Consumers were very concerned. They weren't getting, I wouldn't say they weren't getting straight answers. There were just no answers initially. And, you know, when you look at the current state of the marketplace for the community bank ecosystem, what right now do you see and how do you see it evolving over the next few years? Yeah, it's, it's a great question because as, as I look at the ecosystem of community banks, um, you know, I, I often say that the community banks are a reflection of the community that they're serving, of the local economy, of the, the challenges facing um, that, that individual institution and, and all that makes up that, um, those economic factors within that, that ecosystem. And so, you know, as, as, I, as we think about how that evolves, I mean, obviously, technology plays a huge part in all of this. Um, obviously, that that you know, desire for speed um, in the the banking system as as a whole, um, the the continued evolution of the customers' needs, and and for us, that really um, again gets back to this concept of of coming to the table to support our members in this ecosystem. It's why we've done so much in this area of innovation so that as each community bank and each community is thinking about the challenges that faces them, they have the tools at their disposal to really be able to leverage these changing time and these changing technologies to be able to ultimately take care of the customers and the communities that they serve. You know, it's interesting because when you look at banking as we knew it, it was really a face-to-face -face business. You mm -hmm. went to the branch, you met, you met the branch manager, the teller, the relationships really were with those people. 
And the marketplace has changed so much, be it community bank, be it the regional bank, the national level bank, credit unions. And really, you've, as you mentioned, you've really had to meld the technology aspects and the digital aspects with the community aspects. How are you helping community banks deal with that big challenge of how do we keep the same feel through different channels? You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's one of, I think, the most interesting opportunities facing community banks, because at the end of the day, the core of the community bank business model is all about relationships. And so today, to your point, it's about in each one of these channels, how are we mirroring um, that that core of, of relationship, whether it's 24-7, whether it's through an app, or whether it's still today in that that um, physical branch or, or, or building or office. And so that is a really interesting challenge for community banks because you kind of have to be able to do it all. And so how do you find those efficiencies? And, and really, I, I think, um, so that's where, so how we do it is through um, what, what we've established in our innovation programming. It's about, it's a, a program called ThinkTech that we established um, several years ago now where we are actively going out um, looking for different solutions to community bank pinpoints in the form of early stage fintechs bring them into a boot camp. We teach them community banking. Um, we teach them regulation. We get to learn how they operate, how they work, to see how we're able to, again, get back to meeting those unique needs and challenges. And, and I think what's what's so fun about that is, is there's a lot of exploration, but again, it's very unique in terms of trying to solve for each institution's need because at the end of the day, that's what the community bank is doing, is trying to make sure that they're solving the unique needs of each one of their customers. So it's just, it's a mirror, it's an expansion of that ecosystem that regardless of the delivery channel, again, is focused on meeting the customer needs. You know, those are all great aspects of what the community banking environment can be and what it has been over history, but nothing, nothing's as good as it always we'd like it to be. What do you see as the most significant challenges in the community banking space right now and as we enter 2024? Uh, first and foremost, it's it's a approach to rulemaking and regulation that treats all banks the same. And, you know, so let's back up for a minute. When we talk about this business model, again, that's so that, that's just ingrained and focused on not treating every small business and customer as a um, exactly the same. It's about um, looking to, to ensure that those unique needs are solved. But as rules are being written, as regulation is, is being promulgated, it's about a one-size-fits-all approach. And, and that's just completely counterintuitive to how community banks operate. And so that, um, you know, first and, and foremost is, is a significant challenge. I think another piece that we continue to hear about, um, is, in, and this is not unique necessarily to the community banking industry, but especially in a lot of our rural markets, you know, that, uh, that recruitment and retention of talent and, and the workforce and how yep. we continue on this uh, community bank charter in a way that, um, uh, you know, we can continue to grow and expand that that management and the team that's operating it. Uh, those would be, I think, the you know, some of the, the two most significant challenges facing us. 
You know, when when we look at you mentioned regulation as being one of the major challenges where regulators tend to treat everybody the same, and that's really not usually good. But in the same sense, we can overregulate. I don't know what that really means because it can be defined in so many different ways. But how do you, as an organization, try to balance the constrictions of let's say non-bank competitors, uh, technology companies, big banks, small banks, all those issues? without stifling innovation and the ability to expand beyond what we've always done. How do you look at that as a person more than just as an organization? Because it really is a balancing act in my sense where, you know, the the security aspects, the regulatory aspects, how do you make it so that we don't just keep doing things the way we've done through regulation? You know, for me, and and this is where maybe where I draw on my community banker experience, I look at everything through the lens of risk management and, you know, try to then say, what are the associated risks? And, you know, if I had that magic wand and was writing the regulation, it's really about understanding the risk and then responding accordingly you know, I'll be the first to admit that's hard to do because there's a lot of different approaches out there as as we think about uh, the provision of financial services and all of these entities kind of get at it a little bit differently. And so the way we approach it, so I come at it with this lens of risk management, the way we approach it as an association, at the end of the day, it's about ensuring a level playing field and solid um, services and products that are ultimately provided to consumers and small businesses. And so, you know, we want innovation, we want competition, we welcome those things, but we all have to be playing at a, at a level playing field in terms of ultimately um, how we ensure the safety and soundness of, of the financial services market and how we ensure that, um, again, consumers have the access to the, the financial products and services that they need. So it's interesting. It doesn't matter what size organization it is with each within each sector of the marketplace, be it non-bank or bank, be a credit union or other financial institution that may be non-traditional. The reality is everybody moves at a different pace, even within their segments. How do you encourage those organizations that you view as moving slower than marketplace to move at the pace of what many of the the top organizations in your sector are doing in a way that makes it so that you're not, and, and I'm probably using the wording wrong, aren't protecting the weak as opposed to providing the opportunities to become strong. Do you understand my, my balancing act there? Because when we, I, I was fortunate enough to visit the White House back in the Obama administration. One of the things that they mentioned is we have to, as an, as a, government, make it so the marketplace moves forward and we don't always just protect those that that don't want to move forward. How do you do that as a trade organization, as an organization that really looks out for a very broad sector of organizations that view banking differently? Well, it's, it, it's, a, it's a great question because, again, what's, what is Sometimes I say one of the things that I love most about my job and the work that we do and the thing that makes it most challenging is that no two community banks are exactly the same because they are responding, again, to the unique needs of of their communities. 
And so for me, the way I approach this is it's all, it's all about evolution. It's all about continued growth and, and um, first and foremost, being aware of all that's going on, being aware of, you know, whether it is, you know, the needs of, of our customers, whether it's the evolving needs of regulation and, and knowing what solutions are out there to help us. And that's what's been so fun about the Think Tech program is, as I talk about it, it's about meeting the banks where they are and helping them get to the next level. And that really, you know, when we think about innovation, isn't that kind of what it is at the end of the day? It's, it's how we continue to evolve and how we leverage these tools, how we level the education or leverage the education in a way that allows us to continue to be competitive. You know, as we, again, that gets back to one of my tenets is we welcome competition in order to compete. You've got to be able to go head to head. And I, I will take, um, a, a community bank that that's leveraging, you know, innovation and the appropriate solutions for their market while also offering that best-in-class service and stack them head-to-head against any other financial services competitor all day long. And we get to be the backbone to help them do that, which is just an incredibly, incredibly, an incredible honor and really exciting. You know, it's interesting. If we look at the pace of change, the technology that's available, the ability to have AI and automation as tools that are really accessible to all levels of financial institutions, as well as the increased offerings of what third-party providers are providing to the very smallest of organizations to make them be able to perform as just like or better than their bigger, bigger competition. Your educational process that you're doing is really key. And when you look at all this, because, you know, those the opportunity to step out from what was always done before is there. Is this a really a unique position and a unique opportunity for financial institutions in the community banking sector that, you know, we didn't see even three years ago the way we do today? Well, to your point, the pace of change is, is just, I mean, sometimes I think it's surreal. And, um, yeah. you know, and I, and I put myself in our, our community bankers shoes and say, okay, you know, at the end of the day, they've got customers coming in, needing them 24 seven. And then at some point they have to be able to, you know, press pause and figure out the new technologies to be able to solve for those solutions manage the associated risks with them, learn how those technologies are evolving and continue to adapt all while taking care of their customers and, and their communities. And so, you know, to your point, that's why, you know, these programs and the, this level of education is, is so important because it, it provides them um, the tools to plug in in maybe a, a little bit new or different way. And I think the other thing that and my sort of observation of all of this that's become so valuable is, is just the, the peer-to-peer conversation, you know, to be able to hear what others are doing, you know, the, maybe learn the lessons learned from somebody else so I don't have to, you know, reinvent the wheel all over again here. Right. And so there's just, again, that's, that's part of what the community bank business model is built on is, is leverage. It's the leverage of capital. It's the leverage of experiences. It's, it's um, you know, continuing to, to build um, and respond in such a way that, that we're meeting the needs. And now in today's day and age, we've got to do that quicker and more efficiently and expeditiously than we've ever done before. You know, it's interesting. I, I look over, I look back six years and what the banking world was when, when you came into 
to management of ICBA. And, it, and it's very interesting because you look right now and we kind of referenced it earlier, but you're, you're sometimes playing like whack-a-mole <laughs> because you got organizations that are trying to change regulatory standards. You got interest rates that are still unpredictable, but make a major change the way organizations have to move forward. You have technology and, and AI that is really changing the way banking can be done. We're on an ongoing basis, challenging whether or not branches are a viable delivery network in a bigger context of cost when you look at who you compete with. When you look at the next three years, what's on your agenda of things that right now you believe are where you really need to be as an organization representing the community banking uh, ecosystem? How much time do you have to answer that question? Um, you know, well, I, I, I just think about the fact that you know we we talk about change and and how bankers have to deal yeah. with it. But every day you wake up and you open up the trade publications, or you open up the business pages, or you open up the stock market pages, or whatever it can be, and your complete day, if not weeks and month, can be completely transformed. If you had your way. <laughs> What would you like to have your agenda be for the next three years? What are the things that are the most important to you right now? Wow, uh, great question. So a, a couple of things. Uh, so much of the change and evolution when we think about all that's happening is happening in the payment space right now. And so to be able to, to push the pause button and say, let's really be thoughtful about how we want the payment system to evolve, who has access to it and how, and how we will then manage, again, those associated risks, um, you know, is would I, I think be a very valuable exercise. You then layer on top of that the evolution of digital assets and what that means to the payment system. And so to really be able to have a holistic conversation that's focused on the needs that we're trying to solve for, the problems that we're trying to solve for, the frictions that we're trying to eliminate in a way that brings understanding about the impact of those changes, I think would, would be, um, I, again, I would love to, to be able to, to very holistically go about that conversation. Talk about, you know, speed of change and, and evolution, the, the role of AI and what this means from a decisioning perspective, from an operational perspective, again, um, to, to really technically be able to get in here and understand um, the, the risks, the consequences, and chart that path forward, um, again, would, would be something that I think is, is very much needed. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm sure there's times when you, you look back on your career and say, you know, what would I do if I was the banker I was? And how would I rely on ICBA to be able to support me? Or how would I lead to show what can be done? It's it's a very interesting dynamic. But it but as I mentioned earlier, you know the 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 podcasts I do for around community banks, it's just amazing because I, for one, who's been in the industry forever, am amazed by how much is being done by very modest sized organizations in the fields that you wouldn't even imagined these organizations are working with, you know, the technology application, the complete conversion of core systems, the working with third party providers that really make it so that they can play with the play against the big guys without fear. And, you know, it really sometimes gets down to mindset. 
And, you know, when I look at organizations comparing them to each other, it really gets down to their leadership. Who, who's going to stay holding on to the past that, by the way, has served them very well in the past? And who's going to take on the new banking world in such a way that does not throw away what they've learned, but really steps forward at amazing speed at a time when there's a challenge every day. It, it's, you know, it, I, I look at the organizations that you represent and, and look at the, there's a vast dynamic scale of what the best and, and the not as good are doing. But it's interesting because we do research on a regular basis and we find that the most productive, the most digitally advanced, the most mature organizations fall into two categories, mostly the biggest and the smallest. And for different reasons, you know, it's not about the amount of assets they can make and put to use, even though that certainly helps the bigger organizations, but it's the mindset, the leadership and how it has to really evolve so quickly. And, you know, that that's something that you have to take on, I'm sure. You know, so let's take a short break here and recognize the sponsor of this podcast. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Microsoft. See how Microsoft can help unlock new opportunities at speed and scale through innovative business processes, delivering differentiated customer experiences across channels, innovating new products and services, and redefining new ways of thinking. Find out more at Microsoft.com backslash financial services. Welcome back to Banking Transform. So I'm joined today by Rebecca Romero Rainey, President and CEO of the Independent Community Bankers Association, the ICBA. We've been exploring the challenges, opportunities, regulatory issues that are facing community banking today and what's making so many of these organizations perform so so stellar in an organ in an environment that's so competitive right now. So when you look at the the balance between regulation innovation, and serving the community. How do you do that? It's, it's hard. Um, and, yeah. and it's, but it's at the core of, of what we do. I mean, it's when, when, again, when I think about the mission of ICBA to create and promote an environment where community banks flourish, it is about finding um, that approach to innovation that allows us to uniquely meet those customer needs. And it's why ICBA exists so that we are that voice back to the regulators to say, hey, wait a minute, let's think about the proportionate impact of these rules that are being written. Let's think about what these rules do to impact an ability of a smaller institution who is all about doing the right thing for their community to actually take care of those customer needs. And I, you know, it's probably one of the things that drives me the craziest is, you know, the we bring to the table as an association, as community bankers, a perspective that regulation is needed in the financial services industry. You just have to do it in a way that's proportionate to the risk that you're regulating. And that, again, is, is why we exist, to be able to tell that story and really think about um, the intended or unintended consequences of these rules. Yeah, and it's interesting because you've used the word managing risks continuously throughout <laughs> this podcast. Yes. And it and it's important because I see the difference between success and failure being those organizations that try to avoid risk 
versus managing risk. Now, it seems like a very small difference, but the big difference is the marketplace has given us tools that we've never had before to look at credit scores, to look at consumers differently, to add data, to not use as much data. And all these elements have to look and say, how do I balance those? You know, how do I manage as opposed to avoid risk? And I, I give you a lot of credit in that your terminology shows that you're, you're not the way a lot of trade associations, in my perspective, used to be, which was protecting their members at all costs. You're looking things, and I, I've seen a lot of the, the statements, and you're, you're in the, in the pub publications quite often, but it's not just about being a crutch to the organizations you serve. It's actually opening the door for opportunities as well, which is it's hard to do. Because you've got to you got to face you got to face it both ways. So, one of the major issues that is fa is about to face the industry and it's already faced the industry is around consolidation. It, it is a very expensive business to be in, and we're seeing more and more community banks looking at the M and A route, looking at what's good for the industry, looking at if they combine, should they acquire a fintech? Should they acquire a bank? You know, the, the whole marketplace has changed as far as how we look at each other in the marketplace. What do you see as the short-term and moderate-term um, outlook for community banks as it relates to M&A in 2024, 2025, and, and shortly beyond? Oh, it's, you know, this is where, you know, I, I look to the crystal ball for a few different factors. I mean, there's, there's so much that, that, that drives in you know, and, and let's just start with the economic environment that we're facing today yeah. and, uh, you know, where are we headed in, in terms of compressing margins and, and, uh, the current interest rate environment. And then to your point, let's add to that um, a need to, to find volume and scale as we think about the, the growing costs to operate. And then yep. let's add to it just for fun, you know, this continued challenge as we think about the, the future of the workforce and, and hiring and retaining talent. And so you put all those factors together and, you know, the pessimist can very easily say, you know, we're, we're looking towards, you know, a, an acceleration of, of M&A. Um, and then we add to that sort of the regulatory factors that may actually be um, slowing or impeding some level of, of desired um, uh, merger and acquisition. And so the lens that I bring to all of that is, is again, it's we've, we've always said you do not need to be a certain size to succeed as, as a community bank. There is no magic answer in terms of what that number is, because it depends on the market that you're serving. It depends on your product mix. It depends on how you're managing through and, and leveraging the, the fact that, you know, going back to this risk-taking conversation, how you take risk and, and how you generate a reward off of that. And so I would anticipate that, that we see sort of a, a continued, um, uh, sort of stable approach to, to merger and acquisition. Um, I don't see anything significantly accelerating that um, over the course of, of the next, you know, both in the short or the long term. 
And, you know, I'm also one that is always looking for um, new signs um, out there in, in the market. And, and we're also beginning to see a bit more de novo activity, which, you know, that yeah. completely changes, you know, the thought process around M&A if you're seeing new charters uh, come to be. Still a lot of challenge there in terms of the minimal capital requirements to, to charter a bank these days. But I think that will also play a factor here to, to some extent as well. So I'm going to flip the tables a little bit and say, okay, you're, let's say we put you back in the role as a leader of a financial institution, community bank. What would you be focusing on now as a leader of a community bank? And what would you be most interested in preparing yourself for to make it so your organization remains viable? Most interested. Well, I, I think, you know, this piece Setting aside the economic factors and, and approach to balance sheet management, is that something that, that never really changes? You know, we're always going to be in right. a different economic cycle. So that's kind of a, a constant that community bankers are doing. I think given all that we're seeing, that the pace of change um, and, and the need for that continued evolution and innovation from a technology perspective, for me, a lot of it would have to be focused on the, that core service provider that so many of our community banks are so dependent on and the ability to sort of position myself to have the flexibility and the nimbleness that um, as new solutions come to market and as my needs evolve as a community bank, that I'm positioned to be able to leverage that. And, um, you know, whether it's long-term contracts or API accessibility, um, really, and then, and then the, the talent to support that as well. You know, you're, you're not leaving. You, you've been at your organization for quite a while. But as you look at a legacy, and everybody kind of looks at that in different ways, but if you want to look at your own legacy, when you finally decide to move to your next challenge or, or move away from the current challenge, what would you like your legacy to be as people look at the time you spent at ICBA? Wow. Um yeah, so so when I think legacy, I think about uh, the legacy that I'm um, uh, supporting or help to continue on today. It was my grandfather that started our community bank. Um, in, in just an incredible story of, of commitment and dedication to create a local institution that was dedicated to serve, to build the economy, to be there in challenging times. And, and that is the legacy I'm hoping to continue on, not just for my hometown and community, but for every community across the United States. That word flourish in our mission statement I want uh, for every community bank to have that environment where they can flourish. And ultimately, as a result of that, their community flourishes. And the strength, the resiliency of this model, our ability to advocate, help innovate, and provide that scale, I think is just the perfect combination um, to be able to carry that vision on for, for generations. You know, it's interesting, Rebecca. I really enjoyed having the conversation with you because... When I look at organizations within your segment, it usually is based on the, the personality, the, the foresight, the enthusiasm, and the passion for the business that they do that really defines on whether or not an organization is successful or not. 
you showed within yourself that you're a, a great leader of, of ICBA at a time when more leaders have to be like you from the standpoint of saying, I'm not going to back down from the, from the challenges. They're going to keep coming at me. The reality is we, we're living in an amazing time. I've been in banking for over 40 years. And I look today and say, if, I, if my organizations had the tools that today's organizations have, in areas that I can't even pronounce in many cases. When I look at, when I, you know, we, we, we talk about, no conversation goes on now without talking about generative AI. And that is all of a year and about a month old as far as how long it's been in the marketplace. But it's changing the world. We can't back down from that. We have to keep on looking and saying, how can we leverage it for the benefit of the organization we represent? It's really been an honor to speak with you today and to understand a little bit more about ICBA, but more importantly, to understand what you're trying to do. And I and I, I, I give you a lot of credit in that. It's very clear that you you don't look at your organization as being a crutch for the, the, the industry, but really making sure that there's more of an even playing field, that there are more opportunities out there. And you're actually taking an active role in helping to prepare the organizations you represent, which is, the biggest number of financial institutions in the industry to be better. And, you know, we didn't talk about it very much, but if that, if you succeeded that, which, which you're doing very well at the communities um, benefit, which, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we're all there for. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking and the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoy what we're doing, please take some time to show some love in the form of a review. Finally, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out the research you're doing for the Digital Bank Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our senior producer, Leah Haslidge, audio engineer, Chris Fafalias, and video producer, Will Pritz. If not already done so, remember to subscribe to Bank and Transformed on both your favorite podcast app and on the YouTube channel for more thought-provoking discussions on the intersection of finance, technology, and leadership. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, keep innovating and transforming your organization. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.